Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the freight caviar story with my friend Paul Jaro Jaroslawski. Did I get that right, Jaroslawski? That's right, Joe. You knew I'd screw it up, Paul. <laughs> Paul please does. introduce please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Thank you, Joe, so much for, for inviting me to be on the show. My name is Paul. I am originally from Chicago, born and raised in Chicago. I currently live in Poland, Lublin, Poland, to be precise. I spent three years before Poland in Ukraine. And my, my story is, well, after being born and raised in Chicago, I, I graduated from U of I. That's University of Illinois. Yeah, uh, in Urbana-Champaign uh, in 2015. And my, my buddy from my fraternity, his dad owned a logistics company in Chicago. And he's like, here, Paul, we could get you a job. And I'm like, I was a young kid, just graduated. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do it. So I, I got hired at a logistics company. What company? It's Trek Freight, T-R-E-K Freight. They just got, or they just merged with Becker Logistics. Oh, okay, yeah. That's... Yeah, I, I think it was like a month ago. So I spent a whole year over there learning the, the whole industry. and Truck truckload? Yeah, it was, it was all truckload, some partials, but just predominantly truckload, dry, dry van. And after a year, I left and I decided to travel the world for a little bit. I ended up uh, all over Europe and Southeast Asia. I had a great time, and then I, I came home with with nothing in my bank account. I'm like, all right, it's, it's time. That's what that's what travel will do for you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I, I think I had like five thousand dollars, but I but I went to like twenty countries or so. So I I, I was staying at like a four dollar hostel in India, probably spending like three dollars on food. So it, it it went pretty far. Uh, my budget did, and uh, afterwards I, I came back to to the states, and my my friend. From Trek, she relocated to CS Recruiting, and she was like, "Paul, if you need a job in logistics, just send me oh, a resume." Oh, I know that. Yeah, that's Charlie Safro's company. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Been on the podcast. Yeah, I've had her on my podcast as well. And so, Charlie, Charlie's company, CS Recruiting, she they got me four interviews in one week, and I ended up having four job offers from these four companies. I was like, "Okay, this is pretty cool." So, where'd you land? I chose Everest Transportation Systems at that time in 2017. They had, I think, eight people in the U.S. in Evanston. It was so small, small startup. It was all guys. So I know I just, I honestly loved, loved the company. I loved working there. Like every morning I'd get there early. I was the only carrier sales rep besides the owners that were booking freight alongside me. And I just loved how small it was. It was just, it was just fun. It was completely different from track. And I had a great time. And they, they asked me one day if I wanted to move to Ukraine and open up an office for them in Ukraine. And I was like, of course, you know, like I'm Polish and I live, my grandparents live near, near Ukraine. So Yeah. And you said, you told me when we were prepping that you grew up, your parents are both from Poland. So they, even though they live in the U.S., they, uh, they speak Polish at home. Yeah. So I grew up speaking Polish. I went to Polish school every Saturday. So it's just, it's, I, I spoke Polish. And when, when they asked me if I wanted to move to Ukraine, I just jumped on the idea. I couldn't wait. I honestly couldn't wait to move. And in November of 2017, I ended up moving to Ukraine and I spent three years in, in Kiev, the capital, 
and we we grew the office uh, from four people when I when I started to almost a hundred by the time I had left, and I I think right now they've even doubled to two hundred, and they they have Cambridge Capital investing in them. So very nice. So it, it's it's an interesting trend we see with um, so many companies expanding all over the world. You know, one of the, I, I I mention all the time my podcast is is produced and edited by someone from Lean Solutions Group. And it's uh, Natalie, she's down in Columbia. Yeah. And and so your company, the one you were at, what's called Everest? Everest, Everest, yeah. And they wanted to uh, get some people in the Ukraine. Now, why did they choose the Ukraine of all, all the countries in the world? So two of the owners were born in Russia, but they were raised in Chicago. And I know they had some kind of family ties to Ukraine. Like one of the owner's wife was born and raised in Ukraine. And so they... They had, I think, a tracker and an account manager uh, already in Kiev working remotely from home uh, when I had joined the company. So they, they already had some kind of ties and they, they just wanted to expand to it. And at that time in 2017, I mean, salaries were very low in Ukraine. So was, I guess that was a motivating factor. Relative. So they're a little, little cheaper than the Chicago. Much cheaper. Much cheaper. Yeah. Are they still much cheaper? Well, you know, now that we've got all these challenges in that region, who knows, right? Yeah. If that's above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> well, if if you want to know, Joe, I could tell you what kind of salaries we're, sure. we're like. So we the company was paying around $700 a month for account managers. And for carrier sales rep, it was $700 plus 2% commission with no draw. So that was that was how the structure looked like. I mean, when we ended up getting a lot of freight, because by the time I left, we had around 200 load, loads a day on the board. When I began, I think there was like 20 loads a day. By the time we left, like the, the best carrier sales reps were making anywhere between three to $5,000 a month. So they were, they were making good money, great money for, for Ukraine. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's an interesting trend that we're seeing. I think what's happening is, you know, you think about freight brokerage, the cost per load. Not, not what you're paying the carrier, but the actual cost to execute that load is getting cheaper because of the technology, but also because, you know, with the, the, the technology is driving it down in some places, of course. But now as people utilize remote remote employees all over the world, and again, I think Lean, Lean Solutions Group, I think has like 5,000 people down in uh, Columbia and great, great, great employees, but they're less likely to leave, I think, than people here. Yep. And they're making less, m- less money. But I- I'll tell you, I think I-, I mention this all the time on my podcast is back in the 80s, we started doing a lot of back office stuff, finance stuff in Ireland because it's an island and they, was, they spoke English. So we moved stuff over there and they were educated. Then we get, you could get an MBA in Ireland for very cheap. Well, now look at Ireland. Now they're they're one of the banking centers of the world. Also, half the tech companies have locations there. It's a very expensive place to be. There's nothing that gets outsourced, I don't think, anymore to Ireland because it's expensive. So I think it's I think it's a win win. You're developing skill sets and te- uh, uh, an industry in a new country, and in the short run, it certainly lowers our cost. And I think also. It's not just lowering the cost. At some point, like in Lean's case, you end up becoming expert. You know, if you manage the back office for hundreds of firms, at some point you go, we we understand best practices probably better than anyone in the industry. 
definitely. I mean, a lot of these employees in Ukraine, they're they're very happy to work for Everest and just for an American company. And at this moment, because when I started, there were there weren't that many people, many companies outsourcing to Ukraine. Right now, there's there are a lot, and I actually wrote about this on Monday. I had a little clip, I, my email email newsletter. I had a little, I wrote a little bit about the fact that if there were if there was a war to happen right now in Ukraine, and let's say Ukraine was, were to shut down, it would have a drastic effect on the logistics, the freight brokerage, and the trucking industry. Yikes! I hope it does. That hope that doesn't happen. Well, this sounds like we're switching gears. So, so you you left Everest and you started Freight Caviar. Yeah. Right. So when was that? When did you start Freight Caviar? So I left. I left Everest in October of 2020, and I, I spent still a month in Ukraine. And during that time period, I just started making memes on on freight and posting them on Instagram. There were there are a lot of accounts posting freight memes on Instagram, and I got some traction. People really liked my content. I kept growing my following, and I moved to Poland in November of 2020. And my whole plan was to open up a freight brokerage. I uh, opened it up, but I, I wasn't loving it. I spent most of my day on the phone making freight memes or connecting with people on the industry via Instagram. And somehow, in the, in the, like a year and a half, it turned out, or it's been a year and a few months, that. It, this could be my full-time job if done properly, especially since I live in Poland. I don't have to make that much money. Right. So, of course, when I hear the term – so I've always seen you. I've, we've been connected on LinkedIn for a while. And yep. it's funny because when you think of – of course, when you think of freight, the first word I think about is caviar, right? It's, they just go together. So how did you come <laughs> up with this name, freight caviar? What does that even mean? <laughs> so or, originally, I was shipping pallets. Uh, that was my username. Shipping pallets was my username. And that was because my customers were pallet shipping customers. They just were shipping empty pallets. So, and then one day I was listening to the rap caviar playlist on Spotify and I'm thinking to myself, Oh yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. I'm thinking to myself, I don't listen to it, but I'm familiar with it. Yeah. I'm thinking to myself like freight caviar just sounds cool. And I, I list, I asked my, my good friend, I'm like, Hey, what do you think of freight caviar? He's like, Paul, I love it. It describes perfectly what you're doing. You're, you're talking about the Eastern European, shady stuff of logistics because that's kind of one of the topics I talk about and it's just it it just works well and the funny thing is I posted a poll on my Instagram story when I when I changed my username and I was like which which username do you prefer shipping pallets or freight caviar 800 people out of a thousand chose shipping pallets as being a better username <laughs> but it's I, I think I'm I'm very happy I've, I follow my gut and I absolutely love my name it's free caviar, and I'm never going to change that. So what kind of topics, what, what kind of work are you doing? I know you've got – when we were prepping, we, we prepped for way too long because we were just gabbing. But we were talking about the different projects that you've gotten involved in. And and I, and I think – correct me if I'm wrong. You weren't exactly sure what you were going to do. You said, I'm not going to open up – I'm closing this freight brokerage. I want to make memes. I want to look at the humorous side of this business. I want to give an alternative view. But that doesn't pay the bills right away. So what kind of projects, what kind of things are you getting involved in that um, allow you to just continue to live indoors and eat every day? <laughs> so um, I'm fortunate enough to have a lot of people reach out to me on a daily basis that really like my content. And so I've through that, I've been able to generate a few sponsors. It's not much right now. I am growing it. I've actually had a lot of companies that recently reached out to me and they might potentially just triple my revenue. Real quickly, right now, right. 
I'm not making anything anything crazy, but I'm you're building something. Exactly, I'm building something. It's 100 percent mine. Uh, I don't have any boss. I I, I I love this job. I could do this for 40. Or Wait, you said it. you have a girlfriend. Does she know that you keep saying that you don't have a boss? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, she is. She is my only boss, and she knows that. She she's she's a strong woman. I, I think in every good relationship, the the woman has to be the boss, right? Right, Joe. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, I, I have a few sponsors right now and I, I do some marketing on the side for other companies as well that pay me per hour. And I love it. And so you're creating a lot. And, and what I think is interesting is um, when we were prepping, we talked about freight waves. So I think when freight waves came and started creating, I think it was a, it was definitely a new, a new kind of up to date media source all of a sudden we, we we have articles that would just you know there's if something happened yesterday there's an article today and i know i've had craig fuller on the podcast one of the things that he struggled with when he f- first started the futures part of that business is there was no news that was daily it was like the news you would get coming in a magazine and it was a month old and you know in a business that is more daily or hourly than monthly it's great to have that but you know that they they they're very professional. They create great content. But the guy, the kind of stuff you talk about creating memes. By the way, for a long time, I used to read. I would see these funny things. I go, what are these funny things? And people go, oh, they're memes. And I used to say, but if they didn't say the word. They just I saw it. I used to think it was meme. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, but I loved them, and we all share them. And I think that's something that is relatively new in the last decade that we start seeing memes. And I think. Like you mentioned Instagram. I'm personally on Instagram, but I don't have anything going on on Instagram for the logistics of logistics because it's a whole nother channel that you have to mess with. I'm mostly on LinkedIn, a little bit on Twitter, a little bit on Facebook. I'm on YouTube. It's hard to keep. And, and by the way, talk about some of these other channels that you share your content in because I know it's there's quite a bit. Yeah. So I, I began on Instagram and right now I think I'm close to 20,000 followers on Instagram and really high engagement. Nice. A lot of the people are just regular freight brokers and dispatchers. I do have, there's a lot of executives that follow me as well. Uh, Andrew Silver, who's on my podcast, the CEO of Molo Solutions, yep. who's, he's been following me for almost a year. And we've been, I watched the, the YouTube interview with him. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. So Andrew's been a follower of mine for almost a year and I've, I have a lot of owners of trucking companies and brokerages that follow me and they're there for the humor. So I post a lot of stuff in my stories and my, and my, my posts are just memes, but so I started dabbling in, you know, creating a podcast, creating some content on YouTube. I also have an email newsletter that I try to send out as often as possible. Right now, I think it's usually twice a week, three times a week. I send out an email yep. newsletter. And then besides that, I, I have the podcast on Spotify now. I'm on LinkedIn. I, I try to be... Oh, you're on, you're on the, what is it, Telegraph too? Or what is it? Telegram called? chat. Telegram, yeah. Yeah, so I, I created a Telegram chat, which... I said Telegraph, there's a street by my house. <laughs> <laughs> But the, on the Telegram chat, uh, we have like 3,500 people in it now, and it's all dispatchers and brokers, and they can communicate on a, on a regular basis uh, for booking loads or booking trucks. So there's there's a few areas I'm in. I, I try to focus predominantly on my Instagram, LinkedIn, and email newsletter. But everything else, I just I might as well just post it on there just to have. So I, I know Ryan Peterson, the CEO of Flexport, posted a meme of mine on Twitter that got over 1,000 likes. Very nice. So you're so you're kind of connecting with the whole industry in a way that people my age recognize, I guess, but probably would never do. And I think that's, you know, again, you wouldn't have thought memes would be something outside of work, something you did 
not at work. But I think there's really a market for all this because, again, social media does have a, um, well, it's a social element. It's not all, it's not all completely professional. And I would also say this, um, Paul, with, um, COVID, we all started doing Zoom calls and you start seeing people's, you know, the background where the kids crying and the, the dogs barking and the connection to the internet's not right. And, and you start to say, oh, I guess I work with humans, right? They're not all these robots that I used to work with in the office. These are human beings and they have lives outside of work. And I think so in a lot of ways, not that we're less formal. And I'd yeah. like to think we're just as professional, but it's a little more informal. And by the way, when I started working for a long time, I wore shirt, tie, and a suit, or at least a sport coat. I haven't worn a tie in years. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny thing how quickly things change. So you talked about some of these projects and you're working, you know, with uh, helping some people with the, their social media and also with some advertise, uh, some, uh, some uh, marketing. Talk about some of the topics because you write about a lot of topics and I've seen you talk about a lot of topics in, in all these channels you have. What are some of the topics you get into? I've realized that in, in this industry, at least if you're a freight broker, dispatcher, or working at a, tr- at a trucking company, there's a lot of shadiness. A lot of unethical things are going on that not many people pick up or talk about. And there's also a lot of organized crime in these companies, which is shocking. Like, I, I graduated U of I. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be a professional. I'm going to go work for someone. I'm going to go to an office. And just to showcase how, you know, kind of shady even brokerages are, I was was taught to to cancel a truck. If we found a truck for $20 cheaper within 20 minutes, it was a 2020 rule. And I'm like, this is not right. I mean, this is is like, and everyone's guilty of some kind of form of lying or being unethical in this industry, especially from the Chicagoland area. (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think Chicago is any worse than anywhere else, but <laughs> it does it does have that it does have that old fashioned kind of blue collar uh, punch in the mouth, and it's all these style. I'm from Detroit, so we're we're we're, yeah. uh, we're not much different. <laughs> True, but some of the topics that I, I pick up on are like the, the shadiness of the industry. So I I went to Armenia, which is like the double brokering capital of the world. That's what I call the double brokering capital of the world. And so first off, it's for people who don't do bro- brokering, what is double brokering? So you're you're essentially, you have an MC set up, an MC, you have an operating license to, that you're a trucking company and you go on DAT or truck stop, you go on these load boards and you call a broker and you tell them, hey, I have a truck for this load. I need this much money. And the broker sends you the load and then you go ahead and post that load on the load board or you already have a driver from somewhere else and you double broker it to him. And the, the issues that arise with double brokering is that one, I'm not sure if you're going to pay the trucking company, you might just pocket all the double broker might not pay the trucking company. And the second and, issue and is, by the way, I think the shipper is on the hook. If, if the brokerage doesn't pay the trucking, the company original broker is on the hook for not doing compliance. I thought shipper, I think they could come back on shippers too. I think you could, but if the broker has probably some sort of relationship with the shipper, they're not going to do that just because they should have done compliance. And it's not the shipper's fault. It's the broker's fault. The second issue is insurance. So we don't know if the the, 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 the broker or double broker hired a trucking company that has the insurance requirements filled. Right. So so you mentioned Armenia. And not, to be, not to be nasty to Armenia, but why do you call that the double brokering capital of the world? What what? How are they even involved in our freight? So if, if you talk to any freight broker or any dispatcher for that matter now they're going to tell you that they get probably spammed 
daily with emails from very American sounding names like Adam Smith or even, you know, like Barry Johnson, just, and then it used to be that they were all based out of Glendale, California. And the largest number of Armenians living in America is in Glendale, California. It's the majority of Glendale, California, supposedly is Armenian. And they were just set up consistently. Well, I'm in Michigan. We have a ton of Armenian people here. Oh, yeah? Okay. like their food. (laughs) (laughs) Great food and great people. I I honestly, I had a great time. They have just great hospitality. I was welcomed uh, in Armenia. But so what's been happening in the last few years is that they just consistently spam everyone posting loads to get loads and double broker them. And there, there are some great double brokers out there that will do a good job. And, you know, some of them are even honest with the broker and they know that they're double brokering it, but they, they also will provide a truck and they'll pay the trucking company. So that's almost like outsourcing, right? I mean, I don't, I don't see an issue there. I, I, I see the issue where they just take loads. and I, I think if you're the shipper, though, you say, I trusted Paul to get me a truck and he told me the trucking company he's working with. If it's not that one or if there's a chance that I'm working with somebody who's not insured – and, uh, you know, I don't want that. <laughs> sure. If, if the broker does his compliance and he does his due diligence, he could check that all along the way if he does it properly. If he's lazy, then then no. But I've, I mean, I've heard of stories of Lowe's being quadruple brokered because that's how but many it, times. But is it, I know it's certainly not moral. Is it illegal? I think it's. That's a that's a good question for Cassandra Gaines. Yeah, exactly. I I know I saw Cassandra Gaines write about this in the past, and I know I yeah. used to say it. like at the three PL that I was at, I didn't allow that. We didn't do that type of business. So and most brokerages don't want the double broker. They just don't even know because there's thousands of these MCs right now. And and what I've learned in Armenia is that there's a logistics office on every corner, and the job to have is to be a double broker. It's like the best job to have. So how why is that better than being a regular freight broker? They just don't have the opportunity to be a regular freight broker. I mean, all the double brokers I met, they're like, Paul, could you hire me to be a freight broker? Because like the, the people that are setting up these offices are just setting it up as a double brokering office. You know, that don't they don't so then maybe have, this is this is the downside of some of uh, the remoteness of our business all of a sudden. <laughs> I think there's just so much shadiness in this industry because everyone is behind a computer and a phone and it's just so easy to to be shady if if if, if you don't have some kind of moral code that you that you follow and well we're getting better and better with our systems and you know now we have visibility tools and i think before too long when it says hey this this freight is moving on this truck with this trucking company if it's not the same it's going to uh be a mismatch on the system and they're going to spit it back and say paul what's going on <laughs> so i imagine over time, we're going to get better at this. But this is the kind of thing you write about. What else do you write about besides besides uh, what's going on in Eastern Europe and what's going on with some of this double brokering? Well, I've recently, I've been really focused on on Eastern Europe. It's kind of my my well, you're topic there. Of I'm here, <laughs> and I, I know a lot about it. Uh, so I, I've been writing about my about my experiences of outsourcing to Ukraine. Just some funny stories. Well, today I wrote an article or a little piece about the fact how. Owner operators in the Chicago area are getting their rates cut uh, unknowingly by the trucking companies, and so these are yeah. Just- talk talk about that because that was another issue when you mentioned. It. I didn't know that this even went on. I mostly when I was at a three PL, we did mostly less than truckload, and the truckload we did, I was pretty comfortable with it. I hope to God none of the, what you're describing goes on. But talk about some of the what that what you mean by freight the rates getting cut. 
So last month I received a video on Instagram and this was this was an owner of a trucking company in the Chicagoland area. He was getting scolded by two of his owner operators because they found out they were just cutting his rate, cutting the owner operator's rates. And owner operators pay a fee to their trucking company that they, they haul for, but they take care of all the mechanical issues. So they pay between 10, 20% to their trucking company and the rest fuel all the costs associated with operating a truck is in the hands of the owner operator. So if I'm an owner operator and you're the broker, so we we I agreed at a price of three thousand dollars, I kick back to you six hundred for your piece, right? And then I keep twenty four hundred. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now how how now in that scenario how would you, how would you cut? So okay, for example, you're saying that you you were the driver, right? Or I was the driver. Yep, I'm the owner operator. You're the owner operator. So. Joe, I, I'm your dispatcher. I, I get a load for $3,000. I'm like, Joe, I got a load for $2,500. This is the best a broker could do. And you're like, okay, Paul, give me the load. I'll, I'll take it. I have to go home. And I, I send you the Raycon. It shows $2,500 because I changed it in the system, my system. And that's, that's $500 pure profit already for the trucking company and the dispatcher. They could split that. And then you take that $2,500 and whatever fees you have to pay to the trucking company, whether it's 10 or 20, 20%, you still have to pay, even though in reality, that load paid $3,000. Um, and it's it's been so rampant. And there's... Uh, well, as rates went up so quickly, people lost a sense for what is the price for that lane. Because yeah. it used to be $3,000 or maybe it used to be $2,500. Now it's $3,000 or $4,000 or exactly. whatever. So as those rates went up, it, it gave certain people an opportunity to, to cheat. I had someone on LinkedIn message me last week. And he just left a large trucking company in Chicago. And he sent me a screenshot of what the broker paid and what actually showed in the carrier system that it paid. So the broker paid $4,500 for the load to the carrier. The carrier got the owner operator for $2,100. So the dispatcher must have known that his truck is worth a lot of money in this market at some given point. Maybe it was a, the broker was very desperate to sell the load. And the owner operator had probably no idea how much truck how much his truck is actually worth. Right. And that's, I mean, it's just unethical, especially since the owner operator is already paying a fee on top of that, right? It's just the opposite of what most of the industry is trying to do, which is take better care of owner operators, take better care of the carriers, become better. You know, we want relationships. I just got done. I just published a podcast with um, Anthony Satarja from Parade. And they're all about carrier relationships. How do I use the existing carrier base more? How do I deepen those relationships? Because that's how we get more benefit. Yeah, it's a win-win, right? And ideally, it's a win for the carrier, win for the broker, and a win for the shipper because these relationships get solidified. What you're describing, uh, not only is it underhanded, but at some point, it obviously destroys relationships where you know, say, "Hey, there's cheating going on." But I think that this would happen in this kind of market. I mean, I'm sure it happened before, but uh, a, a booming market gives people opportunities to be. Shady. <laughs> so, so as you said, it was fishy, which is one of the reasons you call freight caviar. So you've written a lot about the double brokering, the, the rate cutting. So this is the kind of the shady side of, of our business. Yeah. And, and thank God you're in Poland, uh, Paul, so no one can get at you. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. I, you know, like I got, I got in trouble in Armenia and, uh, we, we had our content deleted that we filmed. We had our phones taken away. And 
it was kind of a rough situation and it kind of made me realize this is not worth it. Like I don't want to, and that's why I'm not exposing any companies. I'm saying, I'm talking about it in general, in general. And I mean, I actually got a lot of backlash for saying that it's Eastern European trucking companies. Well, and then I responded, well, I'm Eastern European. So I, I think I could probably poke at myself, but. Well, it, you know, I'm sure it's not just Eastern European people. It's, it's uh, not, but it's predominantly. It's, yeah. You've you've noticed it there, and you know maybe it's elsewhere, but it's an interesting thing because what we're, as this industry gets more and more investment and more and more technology, we're bringing I would say more and more professionals. By the way, there wasn't probably twenty thirty years ago there wasn't a ton of guys leaving University of Illinois to go to this business. Now it's attracting the best, the, the brightest, and the best. To come to logistics and Oh, Joe, I'm not chain. that bright. <laughs> <laughs> you, you had to be pretty smart to get into University of Illinois. <laughs> the Illini don't take anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I got lucky. So anyway, I'm going to summarize this, and then I want to get some final thoughts. And So guys, if you want, a, you want a really good follow on LinkedIn or on Telegram or on Instagram or a million other places, Paul's creating great content. And I really do think this is kind of the – forefront of media and again it it's it's a different it's a little different take on media because it's not completely corporate you know there you know we all do podcasts there's a lot of obviously people talk and there's a little bit of um you know formal tone right it's the nature of it i think there's also you know we don't talk about as you just talked about the shady side of the business because no one wants to we all kind of want to ignore it but it's there but i think also you know when you when you poke fun or make humorous memes you're also you're going to always offend a few people we talked about this whole idea of cancel culture earlier like yeah. it's so funny because i know you don't have as much in poland but it's so funny now if you poke fun at anybody even if it's good natured, it's like somebody, usually not the person you were teasing, yeah. some other do gooder. It'd be like, you're canceled for making fun of whoever. Paul's doing a lot of that poking fun. So, <laughs> and you can't cancel him. He's in Poland. And anyway, he's also working with a lot of, he's working with, with a lot of transportation logistics company helping them with their marketing, especially again, I will say this, this new marketing, the stuff on Instagram, building engagement, uh, you got to create good content and it can't be boring content. You know, I, I say this all the time. If you create content, you might as well create something with a little bit of an edge, a little bit of humor, a little bit of snark, something that makes me want to click it because reading reading kind of uh, something really formal that maybe 30 people have had their hand in, you know, that writing by committee creates oatmeal, creates crap. And what we don't want, we want to read something a little spicy, a little, a little savory. So Paul's creating some of that kind of content. So I'll put a, all the links you want Paul in the show notes so you can share all those channels that you share your content in. So final thoughts, <laughs> what you're up to. <laughs> what am I up to? Well, I really want to expand my my following and I've been working on the email newsletter. I, I want to curate a good good email newsletter for, for people that want to have kind of more entertaining news in, in the freight space. I do like talking about freight tech. So actually, I forgot to mention that. I, I do uh, talk to a lot of people in the freight tech space, people that are People that are actually doing venture capital or have received venture capital, those that's a topic that I, I really like and uh, I, I enjoy talking about. So that's besides the shady stuff, freight, freight tech, I forgot. To freight tech is where it's at, not shady yeah. at all. <laughs> well, <laughs> they're actually, yeah, there's a lot of improvements that are going to change the industry, like you're saying. And 
hopefully make it less shady. Just for me, it's just to continue developing content. I feel like it, it becomes easier to think of content when you're consistently doing it. Your ideas keep popping up. Same with making memes. Memes become easier the longer you do them. <laughs> so you'll have to share some of the memes. I'll put some of those memes in the show notes. So, Paul, what I'll do is I'll put um, a link to your LinkedIn profile. A link to your freight caviar website, Telegram, all those all those different places, and maybe if you're if you can give me a few memes that we can um, put a link to. And I think it's really interesting what you're doing. Keep it up. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me on the show, and I just I'm happy we connected. Yeah, it's been my pleasure, and my pleasure meeting you. We we probably blabbed for when we were prepping for longer than this podcast, so I really enjoyed getting to know you. So thank you, Paul, and thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, Onward and Upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.